Apple often creates products that don't have an exact feature set to anything else in the market. So it's very hard to price anchor them. Like for example, Welcome back to the Digital Tide Podcast, a conversation about tech. My name is Darj. I am one of your hosts. My name is Jacqueline. I'm your other host. This week, we're talking about everything that happened at WWDC, including the Vision Pro. But really interesting twist. There was a thread that came out from one of the original people that worked on the headset talking all about the ways that they tested out the technology to almost make it read your mind. Like it, the Vision Pro is able to kind of predict what action the user is going to take before they themselves become conscious to the fact they're taking it. It's kind of weird. It gets into free will. Whole spiral rabbit hole. We're going to break down that thread later in the episode and also talk about everything that's new with the Vision Pro and my experience at WWDC because this is my first Apple event at the Steve Jobs Theater ever. And also, might I commend you, Jacqueline, for having been on a red-eye flight throughout the night editing a video basically on no sleep and still here with the energy of seven (laughs) shots of caffeine. So I I do respect that. And I'm sure the audience does as well. But with that being said, let's just roll the intro. Was I just at urgent care spiraling to Darsh about how overwhelming everything feels? Yes. But stoked to be here. And this podcast literally makes my whole day. And as this Darsh, like I'm actually so excited about this one. And I feel like this is our first episode in a while that like there are just countless tech announcements. Seriously, though, I feel like we've been just like running on dry for the past couple of months. Where it's just been a bit harder to find like, no, I'm being serious. It's like it's been it's been pretty dry out there. There hasn't been anything like really, really exciting that has like caught our attention. And I was really excited about WWDC because we've talked about this quite a bit over the past couple of months. The rumors behind the Vision Pro, given we didn't know what it was called. Yeah. But we knew that there was going to be a mixed reality AR VR device that Apple was going to announce. They were rushing it to production and rushing it to be announced. And now it's here. It was announced at WWDC. You were there. You saw it in person. Like you saw everything. You, we, we all watched the event. So Jacqueline, what are your thoughts? So many thoughts. What do we want to do? We want to start on the Vision Pro or do we want to start on what the event was like? I think let's start, let's start on the Vision Pro. And for anyone who's, who's listening right now, if you guys want to hear about Jacqueline's experience actually going to Steve Jobs Theater and like experiencing Apple Campus, stick around to the end. We'll do a full breakdown on her WWDC experience. But for what you guys are really here for, the Vision Pro and overall, Jacqueline, like your thoughts, you're probably one of the only people, you're one of very few people who have actually had a chance to witness it in person. Yeah. Which is a huge, huge W. So please, like, give me all the tea. Give me, give me the entire breakdown here. Yes. Okay. Love it. So I think that it's so easy to tell that there's a lot of interest in it because Mark has this video on it already has 7 million views in 24 hours, which is the first time in a while that a product has done that. It feels like we're potentially entering the next era of computing. We're still super early. So there's a graph that I always think about. And I think that this graph will give context to the rest of this podcast of how quickly different segments of the market adopt technology. So you have like early adopters, which would be like, Darsh and myself, probably you if you're listening to this podcast. Then the next group is like people that are kind of early, but they wait for the first group to like break through the glass ceiling. And then you have like the mainstream people. And so for a product to gain like mass market, like the iPhone did, you kind of need early adopters to be like, oh my gosh, this is revolutionary and amazing. Then that kind of spreads to the second wave. And then eventually it spreads like wildfire and everyone's using it. And we can't really remember a time without it. And so with the Vision Pro, one of the easy ways to tell that it's definitely marketed towards early adopters is in the price tag. It's $3,500. And then also in the fact that while it's excellent and like there's literally never been a tech product that has the features this has, and we'll dive into what those features are momentarily. There's also some weird kinks and flaws that I think only an early adopter would be okay with. For example, like the external battery bank, the fact that it only lasts two hours, etc. But 
I think that the first thing to say is that, and Mark has mentioned this in his video, Apple often creates products that don't have an exact feature set to anything else in the market. So it's very hard to price anchor them. Like for example, a lot of people compare this to the Quest, but the Quest does not have the same number of cameras, the same technology of eye tracking and hand tracking. So the way that the Vision Pro works to actually, and this is what the thread is going to get into, which is wild is the vision pro is able to detect where you're looking at the screen to predict what your eyes almost become like the mouse, like the cursor. And then you can use your hands to select different items. So you don't need a separate controller. It feels much more intuitive. Like you could just be sitting on a couch doing these things. And I think that again, no one knows the future, but I think 10 years from now, as this technology becomes better and thinner and lighter and cheaper, this could be the replacement to our smartphone, our computer, our TV. It could be like this all in one. And then their $3,500 price tag, if it stayed that price tag, would be more on par if it replaced all of those devices. And that's actually a huge thing too. Because So if you look at the Canadian conversion and being serious here, the Vision Pro is going to start selling in Canada for five grand. So like we're going to be spending $5,000 for this. If you add up an iPhone, that's that's going to be a solid $1,800. You're going to buy a MacBook Air. That's another like $1,100. And then you're going to be buying like an iPad, let's say. And that's going to be another $1,000. At this point, you end up spending about the same price as the Vision Pro, which is going to end up replacing all of them because the Vision Pro has an M2 processor, which also is coupled with the R1 processor, a brand new processing chip that was made for the Vision Pro specifically. And these two coupled together actually provide a ton, and I mean a ton of computing power, which is meant to kind of rival that of somewhat computers if you really think about it. When you actually go into the user interface and you start actually playing around, you use you're greeted with Vision OS. Vision OS is like this breakdown mix between like Mac OS and iPad OS and a little bit of iOS just shoved in there just for good measure. But it's effectively offering you tons of capabilities where as of right now, there isn't a ton, just given the fact that creators and developers haven't had necessarily a chance to build anything in this ecosystem yet. But Apple already has their apps natively available for it. And they're going to be continuously building them because this device doesn't actually go on sale until early next year. So we have pretty much looking at maybe six, seven, even potentially eight months before this product comes to, to market. And with that in mind, we can only imagine what you'd be able to actually do on it, but in the end of the day. So I think this is definitely going to be a very interesting device. I'm really excited for it, but also I think the $5,000 price tag definitely does have me a little bit off put. But what you guys are probably wondering the most about is that statement that Jacqueline just made regarding it being able to guess and predict what your next move is going to be with the device, which actually is based on some really, really fundamental technology that's extremely innovative. And this is all coming from a a tweet thread from Sterling Crispin, at Sterling Crispin on Twitter, uh, who actually worked on the device. He said he spent 10% of his life contributing to the development of this product as a neurotechnology prototyping researcher in the technology development group at Apple. And there are a lot of things he still can't discuss because he's under NDA, but there's a lot of things that he does break down for us. Jacqueline, would you like to give the audience a bit of a rundown here? Yeah, this thread actually blew my mind because Marquez did a hands-on with it and I was talking to him at the event and he was like, it is really good, like impressive. And then same with Edabong, same rhetoric. And the main thing that's wildly impressive is that it familiarizes itself with your eyes and then it uses that to interface with the computer. So it does, it's like, also I want to be clear before we hop into this, there is a dystopian element to this for sure. Like it is not all positive. I think we can easily be like, oh, is this ready player one vibes? Like what is going on? But I'll just talk about the positive side of it. And then Darshan and I can loop back to that. But on the positive, if we were to look at it from like the, oh, you want the technology to be like one with you, then it would make sense that like your eyes are like, you're just moving, you want to view something and then the technology just works. Like you don't have to think about it. And so Sterling basically breaks down that the way that they did this is very multifaceted because 
it's instantaneous and it knows your eyes to know, are you paying attention to one part of the screen? Are you super engaged? Are you excited? Are you bored? They're not going to give that data to advertisers, which I think is incredibly important because that would be horrible. Like if advertisers were able to see which part of the screen you were actively engaging with, they would be able to create many more effective ads, which would not be great. So from a privacy standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. And I think this is also why Meta could never compete because this is like six cameras. It even has cameras that actually portray your eyes on the outside, which is another like quirky feature. There's just so many things that I think only Apple could get away with here. So very fair, very fair. What he talks about in the thing is that it uses a couple different tricks to make this happen. So one of the things was that they were able to look at your, the way that your pupil reacted before you were about to click on something. And they noticed that there's a certain like behavior where I think it got bigger and that biofeedback happened momentarily before, like moments before the user then clicked on something. So then the headset was able to actively know that to then predict that the user wanted to click on something. That's fascinating to me. The other thing was a quick visual flash. They like flash something quickly visually or a sound, but in a way that was so quick that the user could not actually perceive that anything happened, but then they were able to measure the reaction to it. That is also potentially creepy, but also very interesting because by doing that, they were able to see like, okay, user responds X way when this visual cue happens. And then they were able to know if then the user responded that way again, that maybe they were going to scroll or they were losing focus, whatever was tied to that action. Uh, And then there's another patent that goes a lot into like the machine learning aspects. So they were basically able to use your body to predict how focused or relaxed you were and how well you were like learning material. And then they could update virtual environments to enhance those statistics. So thinking hypothetically, like let's say you're at work or you're a student, they'd be able to see if you're zoning out and maybe they would be able to re-engage you, which is also, again, on the positive, interesting, on the negative dystopian. And this is just gen one, like Darsh, I think that this level of technology is actually wild. And it's so easy to get caught up in like when you're watching the ad video, being like, oh, wow, like, that's so cool. But it's never been done before. Like this is years of work and then it just looks like it's effortless see that's the thing though it looks like it's effortless but then you actually start looking into the nitty-gritty behind it and i start questioning at least a little bit about how they went about creating something like this right like this is this is years and years in the making and i think marquez actually said it best on his video where he talked a bit about how google glass is ahead of its time and now that like apple is here and they're making this product it's very curious to see how much and how well it's integrated into the market especially as a first gen device and I'd be curious to see kind of its actual functionality as a first gen. But one of the things that I think that really kind of blows me away is this machine learning aspect where it's taking signals from your body and brain, predicting different things and being able to kind of adjust and create a more useful and utility focused environment for you and also be able to then track and utilize the different ways that you move your fingers. Because there are no actual controllers for this device. You're rather just using your fingers, using your fingers to literally do everything. And that's in and of itself, incredible. Like if you use a Quest Pro, anything like that, you're going to actually have to have a set of controllers where you're going to be using those as your input methods for the device. This is literally just tracking your fingers through, as you mentioned, six cameras. And this is another really, really key part that Apple, I really commend for doing this is that these six cameras are going to stay pretty private, but then also it can be used to take like 3D immersive pictures, which also just has me extremely blown away because there's- Yeah, do you want to explain that? Yeah, absolutely. So there's six there's six cameras, right? And what it's pretty much doing is it's going to map out a 3D environment that you're in and you can take like these really immersive pictures using them. For one that we don't know, we don't know how incredible these pictures are, actually are at this current time. We haven't seen anything. We haven't been able to experience it. So that will be definitely something that we're going to look forward to coming in next year. But for two, these pictures are going to be extremely realistic into building an environment around you. And what I'd be more so curious about, and I know Marquez touched on this, was like, 
was like it's a little scary like this is very like black mirror-esque yeah and and, and not even just black mirror there's this other show called altered carbon where there is a set of i think it's like a contact lens that you put in that gives you like augmented reality control kind of similar to this where you're able to like look around your environment and kind of access different things with your fingers it's very very similar to the ideas behind this like your fingers are your are your pinpoint controls like it's almost like jarvis from like iron man it's a very interesting premise and i'd be very excited to see it but the pictures that they're going to take are extremely immersive and it kind of puts you back in that situation. But you can only imagine being on the other end of that, just seeing your dad or your mom or someone taking this picture with this giant set of like ski goggles on almost. Yeah. That has a wire coming <laughs> off of it. Speaking of that wire also, like I was wondering this entire time what that wire was for. And I watched Marquez's video and he gave a lot more insight into that because I didn't watch the entire presentation. I saw up until the last 15 minutes. So I saw the the Vision Pro get announced. I read a bit about it later, but I didn't know what that wire was for. I thought it was like a plug, like a cord directly into the wall. No. So it is literally having you carry around a little mini power bank that is proprietary, might I add, where you're going to, it's going to give you two hours of battery life on one charge. I'm sorry. They're advertising this as something cool to bring in a plane with you. I wouldn't bring this on a plane with me unless it was like a 10 hour flight. If it's a 10 hour flight, what am I going to have to do? Have that plugged in the entire time into a port, hoping and praying that there's a port on the plane that I can use. Like, that's a bit unrealistic. I think that it's so interesting, too, that when they first showed the product, they didn't really show any of the tech stuff. It was all about the vision first, which makes sense. Like, sell people on the vision and what it can do. And then they had the video going down, like, the technical specifications. Yeah, and I guess, like, that was bound to happen, right? Like, we had to actually see the tech and, like, the idea behind the product come out front first. And then afterwards, we are able to kind of break down more into the technical specs of it. And although the technical specs are very interesting and they are, I guess, I, I, again, I kind of go back to the R1 and the M2 here where I think that they're genuinely, it's incredible that this device is going to have so much processing power because the Quest definitely does not have anything even remotely close to it. But it's just the Vision Pro as a whole is a really interesting device. And we don't know a ton about it at this given time. But I'd be definitely very excited to check it out. And I hope, Jacqueline, that you actually get some hands-on time with it when it comes when it does come out. So you can speak to the rest of the audience about how it is. Cause I am probably not going to be spending five grand on this device when it comes out, at least this time around. Yeah, I really hope that I can actually put it on. I got to see it in person and play with it. I actually on that note, Darsh, I love that you brought this up because one of the things that I kept saying at this event to everyone is that hardware is so exciting and I love it and it's really fun to make videos on, but software is the thing that is actually more universally accessible because hardware becomes financially limited for a lot of people, but software often ends up on almost everyone's device, depending on what device they obviously have, if they have like a newer iPhone. And so I was stoked about a lot of the iOS 17 features. I'll start us off with one direction that I want to hear the other ones that you're also stoked about, but the check-in one was amazing because anytime any of my friends and I go out, we always text each other when we get back home. But some of my friends, I love them so much, are terrible at this. And then I'm like, did they, God forbid, die or did they just forget to text? And so this check-in feature is sick because you set it up and then it will automatically tell the other person when you've gotten to the location or if you haven't for a while, it will check in on you and be like, hey, are you good? And then if you don't respond, it can send a message to um, whoever the person is to let them know that there may be something bad going on. Honestly, that's a pretty dope feature. And I really like the fact that when you do check in and like, you want to like see where someone is and like see what how their check-in progress is going, it gives you not only their battery life, but also their cell reception. Because there are a lot of times too where I'll tell someone to text me when they get home and I know that they're going to a place with pretty bad reception or like maybe mm. they're going somewhere else and they have bad reception. I can kind of foresee this and I'm like, okay, like, I might not actually hear from them. At least this will tell me like, hey, last time they checked in, they had one bar. They probably don't have any signal right now. But I think it's definitely going to be very useful. And that's, that's a really cool one that 
that you mentioned. I think that one of the things that I'm really excited for personally is this entire name drop thing yeah. where you can take like a contact card and then like pretty much using NFC and I guess nearby, I guess, waves or just general uh, cellular bands, you'll be able to just put your phone on top of someone else's and share your contact card, which is then customized with cooler text and like a cool picture and a nice background. Like I think that this is actually probably one of the best things that Apple has done in a while because they haven't updated the way that you receive calls in a very long time. And even with receiving calls now, you have the opportunity to leave FaceTime voicemails. I'm sorry, that's, would it be FaceMail? Actually, I'm genuinely curious. Like, it's not voice anymore, it's face. Um, yeah, I guess it would be FaceMail. <laughs> um, okay, I, Apple, if you steal this, I, I coin <laughs> this. You, you, owe me, you owe me royalties, okay? FaceMail <laughs> is a new thing. I'm calling it right here. Okay, today is, today is June 6, 2023. Apple, if you start branding this as FaceMail, I want my royalties. I'm just letting you know. Yeah, you're going to be like, what in the world? Face mail, man. Face mail, patent pending. Patent pending. All right, wait. So that one, there, there's another. There were a lot of features that I really like. Another feature that I thought. Oh, was, I thought we're doing a. I thought we're doing a back and forth here. I thought we're just gonna start dropping out features that we that we're really that we're really big fan of. Okay, amazing. So so far, check in, name drop. My next one is the voice transcriptions for voice memo or the text transcriptions for voice memos. Game changing. I send people voice memos to no end, and I think some people love it, and some people are like Jacqueline, like this is wildly inconsiderate. I can't listen to this while I'm out. So now they'll be able to see a text version of it. That I think is actually a really really good call. I think for me too, like I tend to, I don't tend to send voice memos, but I know a lot of people send me voice memos and I never really check them. Like you sent me voice memos before this and I was delaying to to listen to them because I wasn't able to at that specific time. Yeah. I, was, I was like talking to my parents. And so I was like, okay, I can't actually listen to these right now. Then I left and I listened. If I had the transcription right underneath them, that would have been a game changer. But I think another game changer that I thought was really in- intuitive and really great was actually this new iterate, the new iterations to the messaging app. So for one, when there are a ton of messages in the group chat, it gives you a little arrow to take you to the top where your last read message was, which is, for one, a huge W because every single other messaging app has had this for so long. And I was so excited about this because I have this one group chat where I, if I don't respond and I don't look at it for like a couple hours and it just pops off, there's like 300 messages that I need to get through. And I don't know where it starts. So yeah. something like this. Extremely useful or replying in line with a swipe. It's been on Facebook Messenger forever. It's also been on Instagram Messenger and I believe WhatsApp. Like, yo, Apple, what took you so long? These are these are features that we needed. Or like these the new sticker feature. I think that's pretty cool. Like all these new things that they've added, these small little iterative updates. Every year Apple does do a lot of iterative updates, but this year I feel like I'm the most excited and I've been the most excited that I've been for a while. Yeah, it, I feel like this year they've really done some pretty significant changes. I also, when I think about the macOS side, feel like they did a lot of significant things on macOS too. Oh, absolutely. You want to start? You guys want want to start running out some things over there? Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with maybe the name and how they introduced it. Okay, for sure. So they were starting to make these. Jo- oh wait, sorry. I have one more thing to add for iOS. Oh my god, please go. do. I love that. Okay, they ducking finally fixed autocorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought about that earlier today and I was like, I have to say this on the podcast. I love they you ducking for fixed that. it. Oh my God. Yes. No, because it's one of the most frustrating texting experiences in the world. Because obviously, if you're saying that word, you're already like pissed about something or you're like trying to make a joke. So either you're mad about something, then it auto corrects and you're even more mad, or you're trying to make a joke and now it's not funny. Exactly. I mean, adding ducking to it kind of makes it a bit funnier, not going to lie to you. But I do think that it is a very, very good feature to add, or at least need a nice fix to have. Because I find that I text duck quite a bit and it gets a little annoying when it keeps autocorrecting to duck. <laughs> yes. Agreed. I will say that. Agreed. All right. Mac OS man, hit us. 
All right, macOS Sonoma. I think the first one that I'm really excited about that had me really, at least personally had me really excited was widgets on your desktop. I think that this has been something that's been very well overdue for a very long time. I thought they were going to add this last year and they didn't. And now this year they're adding it and I'm so excited for it. I use widgets so often on my phone and on my iPad. Literally my entire iPad home screen is just widgets. There's no, there's no apps there. It's all different widgets that I use throughout my workday. And then under the dock, I have all the apps that I use for work, but no actual apps on the home screen. And I've been wanting to do that on my Mac for so long. I also feel like widgets was a huge thing in iOS too this year. They like just were like full send everything widgets. Also, so I know it's complete random tangent, but they really played into Craig's charisma this year to no end. Oh, absolutely. Even they did, they did everyone's, like everything was so charismatically presented. Like I thought everything was genuinely very entertaining this year. Yes. But like, they were like, everyone loves Craig. Let's give him like all of the bits. Like he's playing electric guitar at one moment. Then he's like doing like a weird, like transitional pan. And he just like was a good sport about it. He played into it. Yeah, I also like the one where it was like you're getting a message from your boss or something. Like it was it was some joke about messaging your boss. Yeah, and I was like, that's freaking hilarious. I thought it was like they good. they really played into it and they made it a lot more entertaining. Which I mean, yo, kudos to you, Apple. I don't know if you guys are listening, but if you are, like, yo, Craig, you did good, man. You did good. Craig killed it, and also the cinematography was genuinely excellent too on the event. Oh, absolutely. There was there was just so much to love about this event. But jumping back more into Mac OS here, one of the other features that I thought was really intuitive was adding your web apps to your dock. As someone who does use a lot of web apps, especially within Google Chrome, for example, like I said, within Google and the Google ecosystem, I feel like having web apps accessible through your dock is really important. For me personally, I know that I use a few for work um, that I will not be naming specifically, but I know that adding those into my dock would be extremely useful. Some of our proprietary platforms definitely be very, very useful to have in dock rather than having to search every single time I need them. And there's this other cool features too, like predictive text also got better. A lot of the things that they brought to iOS is translated over to macOS. But then the probably the biggest one that I was not expecting, but really honestly happy about was the new screensavers. Like it's Apple TV-esque to the max, where it's these like slowed down, um, like walkthrough or like, like drone shots of cool areas around the world. And they kind of play on your screen in a very cinematic way. And I think that I hate my screensaver on my laptop and yeah. I was really excited about this because it makes it look and I'm gonna add like little stars here if you guys can hear me imagine stars when I say this it's very <laughs> aesthetic aesthetic I love it aesthetic <laughs> there's also you know like there's there's gaming mode and there's a couple other things that they kind of brought in where it's like the Mac OS ecosystem is being built out a lot better and it's becoming a little bit more inclusive towards like gamers, for example, especially with the new Mac Studio and the new Mac Pro that were announced. Well, I mean, the upgraded iterative versions with uh, the M2 Ultra, considering that those have both were both announced and they now have extreme processing power. I can only imagine an M2 Ultra running like cool games would be pretty dope. And there's even a, like a full live demonstration done on stage with a new game that is coming to Mac OS very soon. And it was just honestly really great to see the graphics and the performance and refresh rate were all really high. And I'm just excited to see gaming on Mac as a whole. I also am excited. And I also, I played actually one of the games. I got briefed by the Mac team on the 15 inch MacBook Air. And they showed us like an early version of one of the games. And the rendering on it was actually amazing. Like the reflections of neon lights on the water, the uh, refresh rate, the dynamic sound on the speakers. Like the 15 inch MacBook Air is a really interesting computer now. The lineup in general, actually, like they're kind of hitting every size and price point. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so now that you've, you've brought up the new MacBook Air, like, what were your thoughts? Like, is there anything really standard about it other than the fact that it's a 15-inch laptop? Or is it still, like, is, like, or is it still just the 13-inch just stretched? Definitely the standout features are the fact that it's 
pretty thin, but it no longer has like that air taper from a few years ago. 15 inches is the most popular form factor, they said, for computers. So I feel like they're kind of hitting that now. The display is great. It is fanless. So that is a good thing, but also means for like intense editing or something, you probably still want the Pro. And the price tag is really interesting. I mean, I think it's maybe it's $100 cheaper for both models than it was previously. Yeah. And that's going to be a huge, huge thing here. I know that I personally was looking into the 15 inch MacBook Air as uh, my next upgrade for my laptop. And I think that this might actually be the time to pull the trigger just because it does seem like something that would fit my workflow a bit better. Just considering the fact that I've been using the 15, no, 16 inch MacBook Pro M1 Pro for the past couple of months for work. And I've been using it for like Final Cut Pro and like pretty intense edits. Like I'd have like, I'd be jumping between like six or seven different uh, libraries all the different projects open, trying to constantly render and output as fast as I can. And this thing hasn't broken a sweat. I feel like I've never heard its fan go off, which is absurd. So I'm just thinking with the M1 Pro being like that, the M2 standalone in a 15 inch MacBook Air would be more than enough for what I need to get done. And also it's just so thin and nice. Like why not? I actually think it's interesting though, because it's definitely created a little bit of a dilemma for me on like when people ask me for advice on which one to buy now. I think it's going to be very much based on like user preference in terms of screen size, it's probably gonna be the biggest differentiator. Like I know for me, my mom has been looking to get a new laptop for some time. Actually, kudos to her. She's still rocking a 2011 MacBook Air. It's 12 years old and it's still killing it today. Wow. Same with my dad actually using a 2011 iMac. That's actually crazy. Um, oh, yo, trust. We 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 take our Macs and we use them till they're dead. Like, like seriously, we, we use them till, we used to have a 2009 MacBook Pro that was still kicking it until we sold it. Like it was, it was kicking it up until like two years ago, we sold it and it was working fine. Wow. So it, given they're not optimized or um, supported anymore for updates, but they still work and they still have a lot of features and apps that you can still use. So it was definitely really cool to see that. And I think that it's going to be really exciting to see how the 15 inch MacBook does play out a little bit more. But one of the things I kind of want to jump back into in terms of software for a second, because I just remember this, CarPlay. The new updates to CarPlay, I thought were really, really interesting, specifically within the SharePlay features, because I know this is something for me, a lot of people don't like my music taste and I do take it a bit personally sometimes, but in the car, something that would be really useful is having SharePlay because genuinely like connecting your phone to the, to the car and then having everyone join in on a shared audio and listening section, I can keep my phone up front so I can focus on the maps, but then everyone else in the back can start controlling the music. And I don't really, I don't really have to worry about it anymore. I thought that was a really cool feature. I definitely wanted to mention in this episode. Yeah, I think that is maybe the last feature that we'll mention in this episode, unless you have something else, Darsh. The only other one that I had to mention, and we have to mention this just because it is actually very iterative and also innovative, is this dynamic mode that they brought to the AirPods. Because I think that it's actually something that we've needed for some time. And they're addressing a concern I didn't even know I had until they presented it, which was something that is very Apple giving you a solution to something you didn't even know was a problem and didn't realize was a problem. Okay, hit me. So the new dynamic mode within AirPods is a mixture between the noise cancellation and adaptive mode. It's a blend between the active noise cancellation and the transparency mode where you're only going to hear transparency when you need to. So say someone's like riding a bike behind you. This is the example they gave during the keynote. Someone's biking behind you and they ring their bell. You'll hear that, but you're not going to hear the people working on lawn maintenance next to you. So it only, it filters out the things you don't need to hear to filter in the things you do need to hear when you need to hear it. Because I find that walking with transparency mode, especially like downtown Toronto or just like getting around, it gets a little noisy sometimes, but I do it just to stay safe. But this kind of a feature is definitely going to be very, very useful when it comes to like just walking around and enjoying myself without having to compromise on the audio quality or like not being able to hear what I want to listen to. 1000%. Yeah. I also love the ad that they did for it. 
Oh, it was really good. All the ads, honestly, all the ads that Apple did were incredible. I think that was like for a very long time. It's been like a dream job of mine, like like being one of the people working on those ads. Like that just <laughs> it just seems like such a sick job. Yeah, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> no, I love that, and I also think it's it would be so cool to meet the people working on the ads and see like, do they follow marketing best practices or is it all like just based on intuition because they're such a big company? Honestly, I think that it's a mixture of both, plus also like a lot of innovative ideas coming from their team because Apple markets better than almost any other tech company I've seen so far. Agreed. Absolutely. It definitely is. I think their ads is definitely on something I like this week. And Ooh. speaking of which, we should jump into the section of the podcast where Jack and I kind of break down some things in the media that we definitely did like that week. I share it with you guys, get to understand it a little bit better and be able to talk to you a bit about what we're watching, what we're listening to at any given time. Jacqueline, what are your thoughts? Yes. Okay. First one I listened to on the flight was Charlie Puth's album. So anytime, I don't know, I go through like a phase where like I just will become obsessed with an album and then that will be the thing that I listen to. So right now it is voice notes. My favorite songs on it are Attention, which is like a classic, Empty Cups, and then Patient. I don't agree with a lot of the messaging in the songs, but I think he's like an incredible vocalist and also just like an incredible productionist. Like I watch a lot of his TikToks and how he makes a song. And I just think as an artist, like there are two different paths. You have like the path of like intuition of like, oh, this just feels right to me. And then you have the path of like being classically trained. And I think he's like the rare mix of both. Normally it's one or the other. And I think he blends like really amazing intuition with also knowing the fundamentals of like 80% of the population can sing in this key. So I'm going to write the song in this key, like that type of thing. And I don't know. I just love the album. I think it's great. That's awesome. I definitely have to check out more Charlie Puth. I'm definitely a big fan. I don't follow. I've been following off in terms of like finding new music. So it's definitely a good recommendation. I'm, I'm very excited to check it out. I think my first one this week is definitely also another song. So I'm working with a current, uh, like one of my clients at work is a, I'm not going to say their name, but they're a very prominent record label. And Ooh. so one of the campaigns we were doing was looking for different music creators. And I was looking at some playlist specific creators at some point. And I saw this one recommendation for a song. And I started listening to it. And it's honestly incredible. Um, it's called Miss Polly Sci by Paul Russell and Carrie. And I thought it was honestly phenomenal. And I highly recommend it to anyone who is currently looking for some new music. That is awesome. I will check it out. My next one for this week is a YouTuber named, or actually, I guess it's really a podcast channel called The Editing Podcast. I've mentioned it before. Today, I'm like 12 hours into this edit and it's just brutal, like amazing, but brutal. It's like the type of thing where it's like so fulfilling and like so purposeful, but also it's just a lot on like no sleep. And I needed a little like motivation to get back into it. And I watched an episode and then I was feeling like stoked again. That's awesome. Honestly, they're, they're, I love things like that. They kind of give you that inspiration. And I know for me personally, like one of my buddies is kind of like that with me. Every time I sit down with him to have a chat, like we walk out of it feeling very motivated about yeah. like our personal goals and our growth and like podcasts that can do that same kind of thing and give you that same level of like, I want to be better. I want to do better. I want to perform better. Those are things that I find are really, really u useful and they offer a lot of utility in your life just as a whole. Yes. I love that. Yeah. The people, I, there's a quote that I love that's like, you glow differently when you have amazing people and like family around you. And I think it's so true. Like when I'm my happiest, a huge part of it is like the friends and the family and like the community around me. That's like uplifting me and seeing me for like the best version of myself and telling me I can do it. Like, I think it's so important to actually have those meaningful relationships and like people that actually want you to win, which I think those types of true friendships are rare and so special. Oh, absolutely. I think that like, th I fully agree. Those friendships are really special. And speaking of friendships, not really a good transition here, <laughs> but I have a really good relationship right now with my Netflix watching because I've been trying to cool myself and kind of deal with burnout. And one of the things that I finished watching last week that I did bring up last week, but I'm bringing it up again because it was so good, Fubar. It's a show on Netflix with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And 
when I tell you that I absolutely loved every second of it, I absolutely loved every single second of it. I thought it was hilarious. It was like stupid funny, but also filled with action. And it was like this perfect Ooh. like blend of like serious and focused, but also like stupid funny. Like that's why I love it. It was like an eight episode like spy movie, but it was also like stupid funny. Like honestly, I'm genuinely considered just rewatching it. Like I liked it that much. Wow. Okay. First of all, that's amazing. I just saw um, a tweet that Samsung is holding the next unpacked in Korea for the first time ever. That's awesome. Wow, that's crazy. I wonder if they're going to have media out. That's like a bold move. That's a bold move, but also like, yo, it's an excuse for you to go back to Korea. I know. Take two Korea like another month from now, another 20-hour flight. You're going to have a good time. If you ever want to take me with you, if you want to take, if they're flying you out, bring me with you. I'll, I'll, I'll film all your videos. Yeah, a little plus. Yeah, we have to go to a tech event together. It's getting insane that we haven't. Honestly, that'd be sick. And we could do like a, like a live episode posted that day. Oh my gosh. And also we interviewed Jung Jung, the senior VP of Smart Things. Exactly. So if we could go out there and have like a follow-up with her, especially Ooh. after like, like yo, imagine. That would be imagine. sick. Imagine. All right, maybe, maybe we should world. email them. I'll, I'll get on that. <laughs> that'd be sick actually. Yeah. yeah. All right. On that note, thank you to Jill Constantine for the international music. We appreciate you. Thank you to the Digital Dive community for being here every single Monday, 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. We could not adore you more. Darsh and I text about you guys all the time. Truly. We make our day every day. And thank you. Exactly. Thank you guys so much for listening, guys. We'll catch you guys next week, 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Central. And if you guys have any questions or suggestions for topics, feel free to tweet us at Digital Dive Pod. And if you guys stuck around to the end of this episode, I truly commend you. If you guys want to leave us a rating on either Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, that'd be great. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you guys think of the podcast, think of the show, share it with some friends, and we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.